What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the HWS Podcast, also known as the Health, Wealth, and Sports Podcast. I'm your host, William Andres, and in this podcast, we will discuss an array of different topics from fitness to financial literacy and sports. If this is something that you might find yourself interested in, well, this is the podcast for you. Please stay tuned. Hey, don't forget to follow the HWS podcast on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. And oh yeah, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you may get your podcast from. Hey, a lot has changed since I started this podcast. Help me continue to grow. Make sure you follow HWS podcast and tell a friend to tell a friend. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of HWS, also known as the Health, Wealth, and Sports Podcast. I'm your host, William Andres, and I am back. Yes, I am back. I know. I I apologize. I've been gone for a little bit, and I know I haven't really been consistent, but, you know, life gets in the way. I've been working. uh, Like I told you on the last podcast, uh, I've actually picked up a new position at work, which requires more of my time, which gives me less time to be on the mic. But, you know, that's here nor there. I am back and hopefully you'll welcome me back with open arms. Now, tonight I have a topic that I would like to speak about. It's uh, assets and liabilities. And before anybody jumps down my throat, no, I am not biting the earn your leisure uh, the guys, Troy and Rashad, I'm not biting your style. I'm just actually talking about actual assets and liabilities. They bring up a very valuable point. You do need assets in your life. You need more assets over liabilities. That's the only way that you're going to stay in the positive in cash flow in today's society. So with everything that's going on in the world with inflation and uh, high demand, supply chain issues and labor shortages, you have to have the ability to generate uh, money no matter what's going on in the world. So how do you do that, right? Like, how am I going to generate money? Like, I'm not a business creator or maybe I'm not uh, someone who's going to go out and do these crazy investments. So what should I do? So the whole theory behind assets over liability is basically buying things that generate income, say like an apartment building or purchasing a business like a franchise or something like that. Say you get a subway uh, that could generate income. Say you get an apartment building, uh, a duplex, a triplex, and you're renting out the apartments that could generate income. And even a car. Say say you buy a car. Most people look at a car as a liability because they're going to pay my car note every month. But a car could also be an asset Say like you start a Toro. So you start a Toro business where you're basically renting out your cars to people. That car now becomes an asset to the company. So it's very important to, you know, uh, pick up a lot of assets versus liabilities. Uh, The average American tends to have more liabilities and doesn't even really quite understand what an asset is. I remember, I'm going to tell you a little story. I remember being a young adult. I remember when I first bought my first home and car. And I remember telling my uh, girlfriend at the time, I was like, you know, 
I got this asset. Like we got a home. Like we we actually bought a home. We're a homeowner. This is an asset. And I felt like we were building a portfolio. We bought a car, and I was like, you know what? We got another asset. This is an. I remember telling her this is an investment that we have to protect. We can't damage the car. We can't damage the house. Little did I know that these were two of the biggest liabilities that most adults have. Now. You know, I was young and I, you know, no one really educated me on what an asset and a liability was. I thought things that you owned, all of those were assets. Come to find out, I didn't own the car. I was still paying a car note on it and I didn't own the house at the time. I was still paying a mortgage. And these are the things that causes those possessions to be liability. They were actually taking money out of my pocket. So I'm going I'm to back up a little bit. I'm going to just give you a very simplified uh, uh, explanation of what an asset and a liability is. So an asset is anything that you have in your possession that can generate income for you. So that could be a stock. A stock could be an asset. It could be a home. So like if I have a house and I decided, you know what, I'm going to build a gym in it and I'm going to charge people to come and work out in my home gym that could be an asset. Or if I have a home office where I do my business at, that turns my home into a place of business that generates income. So that's now uh, an asset. Like I, like I mentioned in my earlier example, say you got a car and you start a Toro business, you can, uh, you could have your car be an asset to your company. Or say you got an apartment. So you got an apartment and you have somewhere else to stay and say you want to Airbnb your apartment out on the weekend. Now your apartment actually becomes an asset. So asset is basically anything that you have that is generating positive cash flow to you. That is an asset. And most people, like, like I said, don't, don't really understand the assets and liabilities. They have things. You, you have plenty of things around your house that are assets that you actually don't even think about. So, you know, I, I'd be watching all the little TikToks and the Instagram influencers. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of them talk cap, but there's a lot of um, valuable information that they're putting out there. You know, little tidbits that you you could turn into the side hustles that could generate income that you have around your house that you don't think about. So, like, there was a guy. I forgot his name. I think it's like... Um, Excuse me, I'm going to butcher his name, but I think it's like Nafik or something like that. <clears throat> and he's always trying to tell you like, hey, you know, you swallow your pride. If you if you could swallow your pride, you could turn this into whatever type of business. And one of them were uh, he, he took his lawnmower and basically he was like, you know what? You, you're too prideful to take your lawnmower and go and ask your neighbor, do they want their yard cut? Now, that sounds like super childish, like that's super, super childish. I'm not going to go out and start a lawn care business with my lawnmower. But once upon a time and even to this day, people are doing that. They buy lawnmowers, say like you bought a really nice riding lawnmower. And I mean like the industrial kind, like, you know, if you don't believe me, go on Home Depot, you can find these riding lawnmowers for like $3,500. These aren't the regular lawnmowers that you just, you know, push or self-propel. These are actually industrial. They're, they're used to cut like uh, the grass on the side of the highway. Well, you can make an investment and buy one of those and, you know, get a trailer hitch for a truck. And now, you have a legitimate business. Now, you say, well, I paid $3,500 for this lawnmower. Uh, this is definitely a liability 
because it costs me money. But every time you cut someone's grass, you make positive income. And eventually, you'll make enough positive income that you will then have paid for the lawnmower. And now it's putting positive money, cash flow into your pocket. Now, that's, you know, that's not quite passive income. This is not an asset that's, uh, you know, going to retire you by any means. But say like you had a nine to five job and, you, you know, you're making a pretty good salary. Say you're making about $70,000 a year and you're making, let's say, five, six thousand $6,000 extra a year by cutting grass. That's pretty good money. And if you think about it, if you made $6,000 the first year that you had the lawnmower, you bought it for thirty five. You've, you, you know, you almost doubled your profit. So, you know, that's that's pretty good take home money at the end of the day. And depending on if you actually report it, that's a completely different way. And I'm going to talk about taxes. But if you actually report it, that's positive cash flow that's coming in. And depending if you report it or not, like I said, depending on how much money you're going to make. So let's get to liabilities. So let's talk about liabilities. If we talked about assets, assets is something that adds money into your account. So liabilities have to be the opposite, right? So if I'm getting positive cash flow for my assets, liabilities have to be the opposite. They're negative. They're the things that cost you money. Your jewelry, your homes, the expensive cars, your expensive clothes, your gym memberships, things that, you know what, they're never going to produce money for you, but they continue to take money out of your pocket. So you got a gym membership, right? And every month you got to pay $40. Let's say your gym membership's $40 a month. Since Gold's Gyms closed, which, you know, it's, it hurts my heart that Gold's Gyms actually closed around here. But Gold's Gym closed, and they have this new Edge Fitness. And I, I haven't checked out Edge Fitness yet, so I don't know how much they cost. But let's say they're $40 a month. So... Your $40 a month membership is now taking positive cash flow out of your pocket. So money is leaving my account to go to someone else's account, Edge Fitness, and that happens every month. Now, say I'm a member of that gym for 10 years. So for 10 years, $40 comes out of my pocket every month for the next 10 years. All of that is a negative to me. So that is a liability. Same thing with a car note. So let's do the same exact same example with a car note. So I purchase a new car. It's $40,000. I get everything that I want. It's got the sunroof. It's got the, it's got the trailer hitch in case I want to put my boat to it. It's got uh, t digital dash. It's got heated seats. It's got air conditioning. It's got the panel roof that goes back. It's black on black. It's got black rims on it. It's got Apple Play in it. It's it's Bluetooth accessible. It's got uh, uh, it's got auto start. It's got all the bells and whistles, right? Like this has to be an asset, because I mean it has all the bells and whistles. I look good. People recognize me while I'm driving down the street because they're turning around and I'm turning heads when I pull up. It's a liability, and the reason why it's a liability is because guess what? The financing company. Let's say it's Capital One because that's actually my finance company. Uh, so the finance company every month is going to want their money. And, you know, to have a really nice car, you're going to pay a hefty, uh, a hefty car note every month. So 
every month, uh, let's say I'm paying six fifty. So I'm paying six fifty every month for the terms of the loan. So let's say the loan is forty eight months. So for forty eight months, I'm going to pay six fifty. That's my bank account will be negative six fifty every month until I pay this car off. And then when I own the car, it's still a liability because I got to pay insurance. I got to put gas in it. I got to maintenance it. So, you know, you got to do your oil change. You may have to change a windshield in case it gets chipped. You're going to have to change tires. So it's still costing me money even when I own it. It's a total liability. Let's talk about your house. So you move in your house, and I mean, some of you guys are proud of your house. You got this big house, and you 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 set it up, and everything is, you know, you got the kitchen with the island, you got the marble on it, you got the great bathroom with the shower head that like that rain falls, you got the nice tile in there, you got a huge great room, you got a upstairs and downstairs, you got the cast iron stair rails. I mean, like the house is plush. You got a swimming pool with the barbecue grill in the back. You got the concrete slabs. You got little basketball out there you got a three-car garage i mean your house is plush it's still a liability because you will pay taxes on it you're gonna pay a mortgage on it and let's just be real most people are gonna have a pmi on that so you're gonna pay pmi until you're done paying it you're paying interest rate and say you bought let, let's say you lucked up all the stuff that i mentioned you bought that house for three hundred thousand. You could go ahead and double that because after the amortization chart that goes on that, you're going to pay an interest. You're going to end up paying double for that house, if not even more. So it's definitely a liability. And that's the reason why most people's houses are uh, their biggest liability. I'll give you a prime example of an amortization chart. So I remember when I first bought my first home, you know, I was very inexperienced. We signed all the paperwork. Like, this is how inexperienced I was. I didn't even put anything down. Just had good enough credit that, you know, they sold me the house. Didn't have to put anything down. We paid, like, the realtor and all the fees, played closing costs, and they hit us with the PMI, and they rolled out all the escrow and all that stuff into our payment. But I remember going through the amortization chart with uh, our realtor and the lender when we were closing. And I remember looking at it and I was like, okay, well, the house is about 120. And I remember looking at after 30 years, how much would we have paid? And it was like 305. And I'm like, 300. I'm like, this house is not worth 305. Where is all this money? Uh, where's this $305,000 worth of house? Because you think about it, like when you look on uh, like a Zillow or uh, realestate.com and you're looking at these houses, when you see a $300,000 house, you see, okay, this is worth $300,000. But that $300,000 house is actually a six dollars or $7,000 house after all the interest rates and, and whatnot. Now, when I bought my house back in, uh, let's say, 2004, uh, we had an interest rate of 6.8. That was like right before the bubble hit uh, in the market and everything was good and they were inflating uh, house prices. And it's kind of like what's going on in the market in 2022. Like the house, uh, the housing market is inflated and you could probably sell your house for triple what it's worth right now because there's a shortage on supply. So everybody's like, you know what, buy a house, sell real estate, do all of that. That's a completely different story. So if you sell your house, that's cool. You're going to make money, but you're going to have to figure out where you're going to live until this market or this bubble bursts because 
you're going to make money on selling your house, but you're going to just put it right back in and purchasing the next house. So just know that. But I go back to my story. I'm looking at the amortization chart. I'm like, that's 300000 And like I said, if you go on the Zillow and Realtor.com, you see that uh, $300,000 house is supposed to get you this big house. So why am I paying $300,000 for this? It's because of the interest. It's because of the interest, because of the PMI, and it's also because it's a liability. A liability is an asset to somebody else because the, the person who sold it to me, it's an asset. They're making money. The, the lender, this is an asset for them. They use their money to loan it to me and I have to pay it back and they're going to make double off what they loaned me. So this house becomes an asset to them. They own this house and I pay the mortgage. So when I'm saying, oh, I'm a homeowner and this is my asset. No, because money comes out of my pocket and it goes to the lender. This is an asset to the lender. This is a liability to me. So a lot of you guys are sitting in your nice house, and I hate to bust your bubble, and you think that you're, this is plush, but you'll be a slave to that house for the rest of your life because it is not an asset. So I know you guys heard, uh, or heard of the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I'm going to save you guys a lot of time. The Rich Dad, Poor Dad book is basically about learning how to run a business, collecting uh, assets that could become positive cash flow for you. Because if not, you're just going to end up working for somebody else and working for the rest of your life. If you think that you can nine to five your way out of uh, working for somebody else, it's impossible. Now, you have to understand that the nine to five job should be used as a tool. So, and that tool is you're going to build income. You're going to build a base in order to either buy a business, which will be an asset, or create a business, which will be an asset, or you buy an asset that will generate you money, like, in a, like a duplex or a triplex. So, okay, again, I'm going to go back to the earn your leisure cats. I'm an earner, so I, I, I have the right to actually talk about what I'm learning. But there's a guy uh, that goes by MG, the mortgage guy, and he talks about his... Uh, four, three, two, one play. And basically, he's talking about owning a four bedroom apartment or complex or fourplex and basically living in one and renting out the other three. And then after a year, downsizing to a triplex where he lives in one and the other two pays for the the apartment that it, or place that he's living in, the unit that he's living in, and then eventually he'll move out of, the, of that and get to a duplex. Now, how he's making his money is when he moves out of the, the one that had four, now all four of those are paying him. So he has four units in the fourplex that's paying him when he moved down to the triplex. When he lived in the triplex, the two units plus the four were paying him. So he had six units paying for his one unit in the triplex. Then he moved out of that. Then he moved into a, a, a duplex. So he would have the seven units from the, quadru the quadruplex, the triplex, and now the unit in the duplex paying uh, for his one unit in the duplex and then eventually move out of that. So he just keeps repeating the play until he reaches his single family home that he wants. Now he has all of these other properties paying for his single family home, which should be the home of his dream. So when you think about that, he used 
buying a fourplex or a duplex or a triplex as an asset that will generate income in order for him to reach his goal. And when he reached his goal, he didn't even have to pay for the the single family home that he lives in because he has assets that are now bringing in positive cash flow. And he's making so much positive cash flow, he doesn't have to work. At this point, you don't have to work because you have these uh, apartment units paying for your lifestyle. Now, how he broke it down was every unit would pay for something. So like one unit would pay for his cell phone bill. One unit would pay for his clothing. One unit would pay for his food. One unit would pay for the car. One unit would pay the mortgage. Now, it's not going to pay it all at once. It's not like he's making $30,000 a month. You can if you own if you own that many doors. But what he was saying was if you just did the 4321 system, that's enough to basically manage your life now. Like the average person, I'll, I'll just use myself as an example. Uh, my expenses, my monthly expenses are right around five grand a month to make everything function properly. That's car notes, mortgage. That's the just expenses as, that we got throughout the house. So five grand would basically keep me afloat. So if I had five units paying me a thousand dollars a month, I would be able to cover my bills. Now I'd break that's my break even, but say I had that sixth, seventh, and eighth door, that now puts extra money in my pocket. So instead of having, if I got eight doors and my bills are five thousand, and I had the five doors that were the break even point, those extra three doors are just money in my pocket. Now I could reinvest that and go buy me another unit, or I could just be comfortable and live off that with an extra three grand in my pocket every month. Now, you hear these stories about uh, people who own multiple doors. Like, how many doors do you own? Uh, Real estate is the greatest way to generate passive income. And it's one of the greatest assets that you can have. The return on investment when it comes to real estate is far greater than any other asset class out there. Real estate has created more millionaires than any other asset class out there. If you don't believe me, Google it. You know, you don't have to believe everything that I tell you. I'm not always right. I'm not claiming to be. But, you know, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of Googling. And that's one of the things that I, that I found in my uh, time of researching. So just, just check it out if you want to, if you don't believe me. Uh, so if real estate is one of the uh, asset classes that's going to create wealth, that means one of the greatest asset class is real estate. So when people are saying, I don't know what asset to buy, I don't know what, what I should be looking into, real estate is an asset that I believe everyone should own. Now, there's multiple asset class. Like I said, stocks are an asset class. If you invest in companies, you don't necessarily have to own a company to have ownership in a company. I'll give you a prime example. I own shares of Apple. I own a, a considerable amount of shares in Apple. I am a part owner. Am I the owner? No, but I have owner's rights. So there's earning calls and you know what? They they basically tell you the, the forward guidance on what your company is doing. And if you own shares in these companies, you have the rights to be on these calls. 
and you have uh, voting rights on what direction the company should go in. So you have an asset that you don't have to actively manage that will generate income for you. Now, it's an asset class. Now, if you're in the stock market, you know the stock market can be very volatile. It could go up. It could go down. You could lose value. I'll give you a prime example. I'm currently in Square, and I bought Square basically when it was in this distribution stage and uh, basically has been going down ever since I bought it. But I believe in Jack Dor Dorsey and what he's doing with the company, so I believe that Square will rebound and it will have, it will, uh, have its heyday. Now, will it ever go back to you know where I originally bought it? I don't know. But what I've done, I've dollar cost average down as it fail and it, the price kept going down, I bought the dip. And I bought down to a place where I'm comfortable that I believe that Square will rebound and surpass, so I'm good on it. But that's uh, asset reallocation, and that's also actively managing my portfolio. So again, that's an asset class. Now, when I said real estate, like you don't have to do that with real estate. That's an asset. You don't have to reallocate and, and do all of these things. But there's there's maintenance. There's R&M, and that's uh, repair and maintenance. Like if you own a, a, a unit, you have to understand that you might have to put a new roof on it. You might have to put a new water heater in it. You may have to, uh, the air condition may go out. All of these things are expenses that when you buy these assets, you have to be aware that they may happen. If you bought a car and you put it in Turo, you might need a new transmission. You know, the transmission may go out. You, after uh, Everyone who has a car knows, like, your alternator goes out. You may get a flat tire. You may get a chip in your windshield. You have to pay the insurance on it. There's There's a lot of bills that still come with assets, but as long as you're actively managing them, they should be bringing in more money than uh, money is going out. So yes, even an asset is going to cost you money, but you should be making more money with your assets than you are with your liabilities. So if you collect more assets, you should, you should be on the positive side of life. The reason why a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck, and I'm not Again, let's not have the argument that, well, it's because of education, it's where I'm from. I'm, let's, let's just, just for the sake of this argument, a lot of people, let's say we all started off on an equal playing field. A lot of people would go out and they would buy liabilities. They don't know, you know, like you say, I'll give somebody a million dollars. And you'll, you'll, that question alone would tell you a lot about somebody's mind state. Because a lot of times when you tell people, hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars, the first thing that they say is they're going to go buy liabilities. If you watch HGTV, I watch HGTV, and if you don't know what that is, that's the, uh, the channel on cable where, you know, the people buy, like, there's house hunters and international whatever and, and my dream lottery home and all of that stuff. So these people win money or they have money to invest in properties. And the first thing that they do with their money is they go buy these huge luxurious houses, right? Like I'm a millionaire and now I'm going to go buy my millionaire dream home. And the first thing that these people do with their money is they go buy these big assets that, well, not assets, big liabilities that, you know what, they're not thinking five years from now, I still got to pay taxes on this house. When this money runs out, I'm still on the hook for paying taxes. Some of these places have like HOA fees, like I'm going to have to pay this outrageous HOA fee and the money has gone. I can't even afford to live in the neighborhood. Like I remember like Rick Ross said uh, his uh, home, his Georgia home that he called, I, I forgot what he called it, Wonderland or something like that, what, uh, Glory Land or some Victory Land or whatever he calls it. 
it costs a million dollars to keep his lawn, you know, uh, cut. A million dollars in upkeep to keep his lawn cut. The average person doesn't have that money. And even the average rich person, if you made $10 million and you say you bought a million dollar house nine years later, just from cutting your grass, you got to move just from cutting your grass. That's not like the electrical bills. That's not the insurance on the house. That's just cutting the grass. So a lot of times, you know, real estate teaches you this. The value in an asset sometime is in the price that you bought it at. Like understanding, does this make sense before I buy the asset? Like in real estate, most people tell you, you know, you got to uh, try to buy it at half and then you put the renovation costs in it and then how much you're going to sell it based on the comps in the area. So that's how you basically look at real estate and how you're going to make your money. You make all your money on the deal on the front end. But if you go in and you buy the house full price and then you renovate it and then you try to sell it, now you're over what you should be making it and you're not going to get your money back in it. It's the same thing as stocks. Like stocks are great assets, but they can be liabilities depending on when you bought them. A good entry on a, a, get, a good stock price entry can do wonders. So if you bought Apple at 109 you're happy as hell right now. It's up to 166. But if you bought Apple at 183 because you thought it was going to go to the moon, eh, you're probably hurting right now. Now, the good thing about the stock market is historically, the stock market has always moved up into the right, which means that the market historically has always rebounded from no matter what has happened in the world. And it has always moved positive. And Apple being one of the greatest companies in the world, you know, it's going to rebound. So whether you bought in at a bad price, you're, you know, more than likely you're going to be okay. And that's a, a, a good asset to hold. But I remember like last year or maybe like in 2020. Uh, so when everybody caught the financial wave, everybody was talking about this uh, company named Zom. Like, oh yeah, man, Zom's going to be the next to blow. It was like on all the Reddit chat sites and like everybody in my job was talking about this Zom, it's going to blow. Now, I had never heard of Zom, never heard of what company it was. And when I researched it, it was like a veterinarian like equipment or whatever. And I was like, oh, well, you know, everybody said it's going to blow. So I put some money in it and I did make some money because I got in and I got out. So I made a quick like swing trade and made some money in it. But the point was, Zom was a company that no one's ever heard of, and it did balloon. And then when it fell back down to earth, it probably will never get back to what it was. So it was a bad asset to to try to get. So, again, an asset is anything that will generate income for you. So if you're going to generate income, just remember that you're going to need assets. You have to have more assets than liabilities. You have to understand what is an asset and what is a liability. Again, an asset is anything that will generate positive income. Positive income. Now, it could be active. Active positive income is something that you actively have to be involved in, like creating a business. If you create a business, you have to actively be involved in the business, but it's generating positive income. So that business, the building or whatever supplies that you're selling, those are your assets because I can sell that service or I can sell these products and generate income. A liability 
say your home or your car or a gym membership or some type of subscription that every month takes money out of your pocket is a liability or anything that you buy that you that will not serve like a positive income or generate positive income. It could be clothes, clothes are liability, jewelry or liability. Yes, they make you look good. And yes, in like in in the case of clothes, clothes are a necessity. I have to wear clothes or the police are going to arrest me. I can't walk out the house naked, so I have to buy stuff. But you don't have to go buy Balenciaga. You don't have to have Louis Vuitton. You don't have to have Gucci. These things are liability. And guess what? When they go out of style, they're not going to sell for what they once were. Now, there are some luxury items that you can make money on. So, again, like I said, I'm an earner. I'm going to give credit to where this play came from. Uh, They talked about luxury Rolexes, right? You buy a Rolex for $10,000, and five years from now or a couple months from now, it's appraising at $15,000. That's an asset. That's an asset. Some of the gold jewelry, the diamonds that you buy, like my wife's, her wedding ring, her diamond ring, appraises more now than what we bought it for but we didn't buy it from the middle of the mall guy right you didn't go buy it from Rafiq the dude who has a little stand in the mall that's selling you yo come look at this blah 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 blah, and trying to trying to get you and you buy it because it looks good and then you know a year from now them diamonds are cloudy as hell no we didn't buy it from there we bought it from a, a, a reputable jeweler and we got it appraised and it's insured and now it's worth more than what we bought it for that's an asset. So some luxury items can be an asset. But them Gucci shoes that you wore outside, them Louis Vuitton red bottoms, nah, that's not an asset. You may look good. You may show that you got some status, but that's a liability. It costs you money. That, and, and this is the cost of a liability. Once you lose that money, you lose the ability to make that money work for you. So the $1,000 Louis Vuittons that you got on is $1,000 that you weren't able to invest in Apple and make a return on it. So not only did you lose the $1,000, you lost the ability to make a return on that money. All of your money, your money is an asset, right? Your money can generate positive inflow, cash inflow. Think about it. You put your money in a bank. And it sit there and it make a dividend. Now, it doesn't make much. Everybody knows that the bank is robbing you. If you leave your money in a bank, you're getting robbed, right? You know, they give you this uh, 1% interest on your money, and that's quarterly. So you can have like $50,000 in the bank, and you're going to get like pennies on the dollar. So you're not getting any money. But if you take that same money and you put it in an investment account, and at the end of the year, that gives you 10%, you made a pretty, you made a pretty penny on that. You made more money just on your money sitting there. And it's the same thing with real estate. Like if you take your money and you invest it in real estate, it's going to give you a better return than if your money was just sitting there not doing anything. So therefore, if you put your money to work, your money now becomes an asset. You have to find things that will generate money for you. You have to have more assets than liabilities. Now, My final little part of this rant is a lot of people say, I don't know what an asset is. I don't know what an asset is. Assets are all around you. If you're a good cook, your kitchen is your asset. That's your kitchen. Your kitchen now, you know, just go to the store, buy you some food, sell some plates. You now have a business that is an asset.
That's your business. Get an LLC around that. You start cooking out of your kitchen. You make enough money. Now you get a, a food truck. For You graduate from a food truck. And now from a food truck, you got your own restaurant. And please don't tell me it's not possible because I had my homeboy AJ on here. And AJ basically took his food truck and turned it into a whole legitimate business. So don't tell me that it, it's, it's impossible because I've seen it done. AJ went from a dealer to a whole business owner. And so it can be done. So anything that you have, if you have a lawnmower, like my example earlier, if you go buy you a lawnmower, you could turn that and scale that into a whole lawn care uh, uh, industry, you know, or a business. Lawn care is huge. If you get out there and say, you know what, I don't have a job, nobody's going to hire me, you just buy you a lawnmower, get a trailer hitch for your uh, truck or car, whatever you get, drive that stuff around, go in your neighborhood and cut grass. Do I know people with their own lawn care business? I do. I know one that is uh, working at the casino. He's a dealer, and he also has his own lawn care. How do I know? He cut my mom's grass. I know that for a fact. So now his lawnmower is an asset. Yeah, he might have paid some money for it, but I'm pretty sure he's cut enough lawns that it has paid for that lawnmower and then some and probably has bought other equipment that now he's generating positive cash flow from. So, again, now I know this is small time things and a lot of times people say, well, you know what, I'm not going to waste my time. That could be the difference of a couple of hundred dollars extra a month, a couple extra thousand dollars a year. And it pushes you over. So, like, I, again, I'm on Instagram a lot. I'm looking at Instagram. I'm looking at Facebook. And there's a, a post that's saying, you know what, if you make $5,000 a year, no, uh, oh, excuse me, $70,000 a year, and then you make $5,000 from buying a car and you put it on Toro, so you make $5,000 from that, you have a, a unit that you Airbnb out and you make an extra $20,000 from that, and then you have stock investments that you make 10% from that, and so you have now taken your $70,000 job and now have created a six-figure earner of yourself because of your assets. So... I'm only getting $70,000 from my job, but because of the assets that I have, I'm now generating an extra $30,000 in income. And eventually, if I continue to get assets, if I rinse and repeat, I'll have enough assets to retire me from my job. So if I was living off $70,000, if I double what I just have in my stock portfolio, my Airbnb, and my Toro, if I could get a fleet of cars, if I could get multiple units, multiple doors, and I can increase my, you know, let's go ahead with Ian's uh, Apple, Microsoft, VOO, and VTI. If we could just do that, now all of a sudden I'm making 60000 a year. I was living off seventy. I, could, I think I could shave 10 years off for some freedom. Yeah, I, you know, I could make $10,000 less for more free time. Or maybe I keep that job and now I'm making 60000 plus my 70000 And then next year I, or next five years I retire after I put more money away. So again, it's all about the game of assets and liabilities. Understanding what is an asset, what is a liability, and how to make it work for you. And the simple, thing, the simple thought behind all of this is, 
if you don't have assets working for you, you will work for somebody else for the rest of your life. A nine to five will not retire you. It wasn't meant to. It was meant to keep you a worker. And as long as you're a worker, I'll be able to keep my business working. So again, if you don't want to work for the rest of your life, find some assets that will work for you. That's my rant on assets and liabilities. Hopefully you find this useful. You can take some of this information and apply it in your, so your regular life. And hopefully that you're on your journey to financial freedom and finding some peace in mind that you don't have to work your whole life. Hopefully you'll be able to spend some time with your family and, and free up some time for yourself. Again, I am your host, William Andres. This was HWS, also known as the Health, Wealth, and Sports Podcast. Goodbye. What's going on, family? I just need for you guys to know that the Health, Wealth, and Sports podcast is strictly for entertainment. Yes, this is entertainment. You're going to have to do your own research. Even though I'm giving you a lot of valuable information, you know, I don't want this to ever be mistaken for professional advice. So please do your own research and hold my feet to the fire. If I'm steering you wrong, let me know. But please don't take this for professional advice because this is just a show to stimulate conversation. Well, that concludes another episode of HWS. I'd like to take time out to thank all of my listeners. Uh, I would be nothing without you guys. And I really appreciate that you keep tuning in to every episode and taking in my content and listening to me rant. Uh, that means the world to me. And I just want to take time out to let you guys know. Uh, so I'm going to end it there. Peace and love. And please stay tuned for the next episode.